Welcome to Blue Medicine Journal, a Jungian podcast. I'm your host from out of the blue, Dr. Sandra Luz del Castillo, a Jungian mentor, ritual artist, and dreamer. Serendipitously, my guest and I gather on a full moon, a supermoon, and a blue moon in Pisces to contemplate and give expression to the images arising from our hearts and souls as we imagine a new world into being. Today's episode, Anais Nen, House Ghosts, and Postpartum Blues, takes us into the wild blue yonder as we consider womb intelligence, performance art, and postpartum blues as an immigrant. Our guest, Amanda Maciel Antunes, also known as Dama, is a self-taught Brazilian artist of indigenous South American and Portuguese descent based in Los Angeles. Her transdisciplinary practice merges language and durational performance to create paintings, sculpture, sound, film, and assemblage. She works in collaboration with public libraries, nature, and communal spaces, reflecting on the selective nature of memory, inherent language, and anthropological references written by women in translation and marginalized voices as points of departure. Dama is also a librarian at the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles, which is where we met, and the operational co-founder of Nasty Woman LA, a platform that highlights and demonstrates solidarity among artists standing up for women and social rights. This episode, I'm happy to say she will be reading from her first book, titled Second Birth, published by Hexentext, a feminist project de dedicated to the research, presentation, and publication of works at the intersection of image, text, and the body. Enjoy. Beautiful. And welcome, Dama. I'm thrilled to have you here. Tell us about that poem from your fabulous book, Second Birth, by Amanda Maciel Antunas, who we know today as Dama. I wrote this poem during the pandemic years, so the 2022, I think is when this came out. And it's, it was written after um, I left two paper boats outside in the rain in a puddle. And the next day I came back to pick them up and see if they were still there. And they were still there. I brought them home and I dried and placed them in a collage piece that is now in the book. But um, the poem, um, I was pregnant at the time. And I would take these walks around my house, up the mountain, and have conversations with my ancestral 
matriarchal lineage and write poems down when I came back home on a daily basis. This is one of them. So tell us, Dama, about where you live. I'm, I'm thrilled to be recording here in your studio. It's the first time I've done something like this. But I wanted to come here specifically because it's the home of whom? Well, I live in a home that used to be a forest ranger's home where Anais Nin used to live in the 50s. And... Tell us a little bit about Anais Nin for yes. the listeners that may not know. Anais Nin was a Cuban-American writer. She is famous and known for having written the diaries uh, of Anais Nin uh, in erotica. However, I got to know her as my English teacher because I, when I was 21 and I migrated to the U.S., I picked up a copy of Diary Number 4 and to teach myself English. I didn't know who she was. Um, to me, she was just a language I could grasp and I could follow to an extent, and eventually found out who she was and picked up more books by her and learned so much about her and had a collection of her books. Unknowingly, I moved into this house in 2019. This was unknowing. unknowing oh my to, God. Unknown to me because the Amazing. house in Sierra Madre where I live is unknown to most people. She didn't write about this life. She was bigamous. She had two husbands, lived in two different coasts, wrote so much about her personal life, but her husband on the West Coast asked her not to publish anything about him. So the story that I have investigated in the last four years of my life, deeply investigated, I went through her archives and everything. Um, that story is not often made public. There is a book now that was published in 2017 called Trapeze that they published her letters between both coasts. So the Trapeze Project, which is my project, is after the Trapeze book, The Diaries, because she called the Trapeze this back and forth between East and West and between two families, two different lives, two very parallel um, consciousness that she had. She lived with a forest ranger, and then on the East Coast she lived with an artist and a banker, and they were more cosmopolitan, and they had the New York life. And here she was extremely isolated. The house was in a forest and in a mountain, very far from the city. She had no social life, very little social life. And she decided in this house to rearrange the diaries. And that's when the diaries started to take the form that we know them now, which she prepared them to be published in the 50s. And that's the ghost that I have in the house with me. I love it. So Anais is the ghost. Anais Nin is the ghost that you live with. Anais Nin is the ghost that I, I've been living with. And I feel like she's been in my life since I migrated to this country for a reason. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say that I, I taught English for years, and Anais Nin is not one of the <laughs> one of the texts that I used, but I'm thrilled. Now, why do you say that this was the language that you could, that this was the way you learned English, and this was a language that you could grasp? Is that because you also have, you know, written journals your whole life? or I wrote journals my whole life. I've been writing since I was 11. 
I kept diaries. The diary language was very personal to me, and I and I, it was very personal to her. And as a non, I, I spoke some English. I didn't come here just totally not, you know. I it, I had a grasp. I, I worked at a coffee shop, so I had the language of a coffee shop. You know, that's service industry. My my lingo was service industry. I wanted something um, more literary. I wanted something more poetic. Where am I learning that? And I wasn't learning that in my day to day. So I, I went to a used bookstore and I found her language to be very poetic. And I, I also found her language to be accessible to even someone who spoke very basic English. I found it accessible. Wonderful. So for me, it was like a non-brainer. And not knowing who she was also was an easy choice. I just, you know, this is the beginning. I, I often do that with books. I will go into a library and I will browse the shelves without knowing what I'm pulling. Uh, I have two rules about what books I buy and purchase. They have to be written by women. Ah, interesting. And they have to have a language that I find accessible to begin with. Of course. Um, and, I, and at the time, I was, I, I was, I've always made art, but I, I didn't know at the time what exactly my trajectory was going to be as an artist, but I've been self-taught my whole life. So when you're an autodidactic person, you seek you know, we seek information through experiences, and she guided me from the start, from learning English, she guided me into my practice, because she showed me all these other women that were artists in her time, that became some of my biggest mentors, and ghost mentors, not really, you know, not real life mentors, but ghost Maya Darren was one of them, they were friends, and Maya was making films at the time, and they worked together, they collaborated, they, they talked about each other, and she described Maya in diary number four, the first diary that I pick up, and I investigated her afterwards. And Maya is the name of your daughter, no? My, I named my daughter after, after wonderful, her, yes. Wonderful, wonderful, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a lot of synchronicity. Yeah. So it's particularly the fact that you found yourself living in the home where Anais once lived, a sort of a secret life, which is absolutely fascinating, and then wound up being your ghost and, and, and perhaps mentor here through your postpartum blues. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Do you want to start with with, with maybe a poem from your from your incredible book, Actually, Second I, Birth, I think again? I'm gonna, since we have, have talked about her, I'm going to read a quote by a nice man, if that's okay, you know. Please, please, absolutely. So this is um, from the diaries and a passage that I read when I was going through postpartum. Uh, It made it in the book. Some of the quotes that are in my book made it during postpartum because that's when I was putting this book together. Um, I started making the book when my daughter was four months, three, four months old. And I had no idea if I was I was gonna be able to even finish it, but um, but I did. <laughs> well done, it's a beauty and, too. And she was there the whole time with me. So I was going in the studio with her and, my, and packing her in my back and she would just be attached to my body as oh. I was going through quotes and ideas. And so this quote at the time really really uh, spoke to me. Okay. The woman artist has to fuse creation and life in her own way. 
or in her womb, if you prefer. She has to create something different from men. Men created a world cut off from nature. Women has to create within the mystery, storms, terrors, the infernos of sex, the battle against abstractions and art. She has to severe herself from the myth men creates. From being created by him, she has to struggle with her own cycles, storms, terrors, which man does not understand. Women wants to destroy aloneness and recover the original paradise. The art of women must be born in the womb cells of the mind. Exquisite. The womb cells of the mind. The womb for me at that time was incredibly fragile. I felt like I had no grasp of my own body at that point. My body, or I should say like my, my soul was detached from my body and I was just floating apart. Like I, I, that's postpartum for me. I was, I was like outside, it was an outside experience. I had all these memories from my childhood coming back to me. As a child, I had a very difficult upbringing. I was sexually abused when I was five, six, seven, eight. When I had my daughter, because my womb was broken and I hadn't seen of it, I hadn't necessarily learned at that point when I was thinking about this, I didn't know or I didn't make that connection of the trauma that I went through had just happened again with my daughter because I had opened up that wound of trauma and because I was also looking at a child of my own of my own um, blood that would carry that trauma if I wasn't healed so I felt this responsibility towards the trauma to figure out what to do with it so I wouldn't so I would break the cycle. So you wouldn't pass it on. So I wouldn't pass yeah, it on. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't pass it on. Mm-hmm, to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so and as my mem- all my memories came back, I was so lucid and at the same time I was completely mad. So uh, yeah. You know, I want to say something about that because to me, in my experience as a mother and carrying the baby in the womb and my postpartum blues, I believe that the mother and the infant or the birthing parent carrying the infant in their womb, the souls join. And there's nothing, I mean, there's, there, there's actually no separation. I mean, yes, it's true that the mother... That the the infant experiences the mother's emotions, experience what the mother eats, but the the infant also experiences the mother's soul realms. And Jung, I, I want to read this quote from Jung because he he really backs me up in this because it was my experience, you know, and and I believe it. the experience that because my mother suffered postpartum depression and I did too, but my mother's stayed in that shadow realm, mm-hmm. right, which is always sort of the buried. Mm-hmm. And that, that carries on. So, you know, I, I want to say brava to you for the willingness to face that shadow so that you wouldn't 
pass it on. Um, Jung says, the mother-child relationship is certainly the deepest and most poignant one. We know the child is part of the psychic atmosphere of the mother. That's key. To me, that, that psychic atmosphere, there it is. I that love that. that yeah, yeah, the yeah. joining of the one. Everything original in the child is indissolubly blended with the mother image. I mean, so so that innate knowing of yours, it was like a tacit knowledge that you had to not carry that on, to, to face that shadow. Yeah. That's, you know, that's part of the individuation process. That's something that when we face the shadow, that's something that most people avoid. Yes. But as an artist, artwork allows us an expression. As somebody that keeps a journal, it allows that expression yeah. And we need to give expression to the shadow, creative expression. Otherwise, yeah, my, it just consumes us. My, my shadows and the shadows of my ancestors mm. are, have been of interest to me for many, many years. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that practice until I'm, I began digging into Nin's work in the inner practice of the womb. The womb language, she speaks of the womb language. She talks as if the, the woman creates from the womb as a, as a way of, perhaps in other words, intuition, in that the bodily functions, you know, it's, we are, we're animal, we're body, we're also spirit, but it has to come from a combination of spirit and body. It can't just be spirit, it can't just be body, it can't just be intellect. It has to kind of, it has to combine in order for creation to be as reflective of our experience as we want it to be. Yeah, it's whole because we because are. we are all of it. We're all of it. We're, we're, we're body, we're soul, we're heart. Yeah, yeah. All of those things combined, it can't be an intellectual it process. Can't just be one we have to be willing not just to face the shadow, yeah. Yeah. not just, you know, understand it intellectually, but to feel it. Yeah. And that's the mythic descent. That's, yeah. that's where... We need the guidance of a, let's say, a, a mentor for you. That was Anais Nin, you know. And, and I, because, too, I, I've been, you know, an isolated mother. I didn't, I'm an immigrant. I don't have my family within close distance mm -hmm. to me. They are in Brazil. And I, the moment I had my child, I knew it was going to be difficult as an immigrant. I knew it was going to be difficult without my family. But I had no idea how difficult it could get. Yeah, because we're not told that in the patriarchy. No, we're no, not told that. No. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm strong, I got this, I have mm. a partner, you know, I'm not doing it just alone, it's just not me, but it's a child, a baby, a human being, and he really needs the, the lineage of, of the family. I, I also, I, I, I feel like the grandparents are so important, and we didn't have that. No. Um, I didn't, at least from my side of the family, I didn't have but my partner's mother also had passed. So we didn't have grandmothers around. And I felt such a distance from what am I supposed to do now? Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, I didn't have a language. People were telling me, I was reading books. Like I had a stack of books of motherhood, yeah, a stack of books mm -hmm. of postpartum before mm -hmm. I prepared myself because I knew it was going to be difficult. Um, but nothing prepares you. No, no, no one... Nothing it's it's you. yeah nothing does and I like you I had my 
baby actually abroad, my first child abroad, yeah. and that was hard without was hard. without the extended family, without yeah. the grandparents around, because there's that wisdom. It's a, they create the nest yeah. that not just the no infant how, needs, even if they're not but the great parents. No, you. exactly. <laughs> you need yeah. them. You need yeah. that level of support, yeah. and we're not told that. No, because we have this notion, oh, no, we can do it, you know. I mean, it's one of the unfortunate ideas that I think that we grasped onto in, you know, as we became feminists, which was incredibly important. Yeah. But we lose that idea that, you know, we, we somehow wanted to imitate men. Oh, we got this. No, no. Yeah. We, we, we have the womb intelligence. We need, you know, that that soul nest we need that love we need that beauty that support that we no matter how many books we read it's it doesn't give us that no it doesn't um but there was a book and i'm i would like to read a quote from it now oh, please there's yeah. a book that for me in my search in my healing in my seeking desperately for for contact with someone who spoke my language, with, or someone who could give me a language, because I had no language for what I was feeling at the time. Uh, you know, I, my, the deepest and the most difficult parts of my postpartum blues were between my daughter's three months and seven months. That chunk of time, I feel like it became a, a, just a labyrinth for me to figure it out where I was and it's so interesting because um, Cornelia Tay, the Romanian artist that lives in Hamburg, Germany, used that same word. She felt like her postpartum blues were chasing, you know, ch chasing and running through the labyrinth. Yeah. Well, this yeah. book I wrote, Second Birth, is a labyrinth oh. because it was my state of mind at the time. And I love that she, it is totally a labyrinth. You're, you know, you made your way in and then, but... You're left in there, and you have to figure out your way out. We need Ariadne's thread. And you, you need a thread <laughs> yeah. to follow it back. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful and thankful and like privileged that I have my art to find my way back. And so I That's dived key. into my art mm. in order to figure it out what this was, it, as painful as it was, as 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 dark as it got, you know, I, I know I had... Giving creative expression to the shadow, that's key. That's key. That's, I mean, you always encourage his patients yeah. to do art, to yeah. make art, to make mandalas, to, to yeah. give it expression. Yeah. Because that, that way we can find out what, what's up and actually find compassion for ourselves in that process. So please read. So Tell read. us what book you're reading from. And so I'm reading from the How to Mend Motherhood and Its Ghosts. It's by an Egyptian poet uh, who is still uh, alive and working. A contemporary poet, Iman Mursal. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I I found her in a little bookstore in Chinatown. I I, I saw which the, Chinatown? Uh, Los Angeles. Los Chinatown. Angeles. Wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. It's a favorite store of mine tomorrow today. And they had this book and I, I looked at the cover and the title and it was... You were sold. I'm sold. And then... <laughs> I see it's all bookmarked everywhere too. I love, book, it. yeah. bookmarked everywhere. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. So this is on page 20, 25. Postpartum. A journey begins in company with a creature that is supposed to be a part of you but that might seem to you at times to be a stranger. With every step on this journey, a new question will present itself. 
as though your duty is to invent motherhood wholesale, as though it never happened to anyone before you, as though it is an endless test of your own existence, of your relationship first with your body, then with everything you once assumed was you. Hmm. Well, there's part of that labyrinth, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's finding that thread. It's finding that thread. And to find the thread as a as the person who, because for me it was more, it, I was learning too in the scientific side of things of motherhood, my child's cells. Once you're once you're birthing human, the cells also join your body. They join your DNA. So the child leaves your body, but it leaves behind their DNA. Wow. And your cells, in that way, in that womb combined and I felt like in some way it, it, there's no in my mind there was no way I wasn't going to go through a deep change deep change of hormones but also deep change of my own being my own being my own existence as a biological animal and as a spiritual animal I had both and I knew both were very crucial for me to keep together I couldn't lose one or the other because otherwise I would lose myself entirely. Oof. And then by giving birth here, I well my birth, my actually birth, my actual birth experience was not the experience I wanted, and it began there. My trauma came back there. Mm. Um, I was abused by a nurse in the room, and maybe I, I was going to be called crazy if I said I was abused, but she made me bleed unnecessarily and as she touched me and I felt to test my dilation because that's what they do they don't let you in at the time during COVID I couldn't even my body couldn't even be taken into the, the actual hospital room I had to be in this in-between space if I was dilated enough I could go in and I had to be I think like six six inches I was I was not six but she as she was testing me I, I was bru I was I felt like it was I was brutalized. I was like it was so it was so cruel. I left crying and I couldn't even have a partner with me because at the time you couldn't come in with anyone. Right, you right. were alone. Like they wouldn't even let the father or the mom you know, no one come in. Oh God. So this experience put such a dark shadow into my birthing procedure. Yeah. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I couldn't detach from it. And um by the time I was giving birth, I was my I was having a completely isolated episode of I I believe was uh, I was just in another another planet yeah to to protect myself from what was happening in the room. Oh my God! You know, I I, I just want to say, you know, it it, it um this idea that you were elsewhere when that was going on. I, I remember Cornelia also saying that she felt like she was out in the universe through her birthing process. and Because in the birthing process, the portals between worlds open because we are facing life and death. Yes, yeah. And, and that type of brutality that you experienced, and this wasn't even, a, I mean, th this was a, a female nurse. Yeah. Am I right about this that? This was a female nurse. Yeah, that inflicted that on you. Mm -hmm. That level of, of barbarism, lack of sensitivity, lack of 
training or awareness of what that means to be in that state. Yes. And and you would think that there, that a nurse that was checking your dilation would be well trained and understand yeah. the level. I, I would think that in any case of a birth experience, you would treat the birthing human as a sacred thing. Because to me it was sacred. Because it is sacred. Because it is sacred. It is sacred and we lose that. And this is completely lost by the system, by, by capitalism, by medical Western ways of dealing with experiences like this. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And I couldn't, I couldn't afford anything else. So for me it was... At the time, it was what I could afford. If I could have afforded something else, I would have. Um, but anyway, that's it, the journey into birth. To me, was so traumatic. I by the time I started, I was, I had lost track. Oh, of, God, yeah. Uh, that's, you know, to me, I, I'm I'm happy because I gave birth at home mm-hmm. with all three of my children. But what I find is that story that you're telling me is unfortunately all too common. Yes, I, I think it is, yeah. And and I think when we look at 2023, why? You know, I mean, as this world, as we know it, sort of comes, you know, crashing and, you know, burning and flooding to its end, we need to reimagine mm-hmm. a new world and a world that's kinder, that's juster, that's... You know, that has the awareness that when a, a pregnant woman walks in a room, you know, what is it in French? She's called enceinte. I mean, because she is in a sacred space. She's carrying another human within her that becomes, as you say, part of the, their DNA, but also yeah. part of the soul realms. Yeah. This is a spirited, this is a, a blessed place. You know, what, what does we say? Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. But it, it, but it, said, the womb, right? Thy womb, Maya, whatever womb. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it is, it is whoever is in that womb creates that sacred space. It's, it, it, it's like potential, right? It's like all the potential for what is hope, what we call hope and future. Absolutely. That comes from the womb. And I feel like the mm. the the treatment of that particularly in this country because it's where I experienced in this country you mean the U.S. in the uh-huh. U.S. Mm-hmm. although I will maybe tell you that I, I did go back to Brazil when I was seven months six months pregnant and I stayed there until I was close to eight months I came back to the U.S. to give birth but my experience of being pregnant in Brazil was totally different tell us about that please I, I felt treated I was treated like my body was of um, of, of need, it needed to be nourished by strangers, by family, by anyone who passed by you. It was I felt nourished. I felt touched in a way that I wasn't touched here. It was it was maybe it was because it's my motherland. Could be a connection to the language for me. Could be various things, but it wasn't just that. Um, when you're pregnant in Brazil, you know, you have, it goes, it, it gets political too. Like you have, you have your own parking space anywhere for pregnant women. Is that right? Yes. What? So like as simple as that detail, I felt like, you know, no matter where I was going, my father was, was saying like, you know, we, you can park anywhere. You're pregnant. Oh my God. What and a I, beautiful. I thought like, what is this concept? And because I had been living here for so long, I had lost contact with the, the, even the idea that social 
interactions for pregnant women in Brazil were completely different than what's happening in the U.S. And I, I was near family too, so that helped me also nourish my body and with and soul with with soul and food and mm. music and sound. Like, <sighs> so it was different for me. Um, by the time I came back, I was feeling reinvigorated mm-hmm. and I was feeling mm-hmm. ready to give birth. And then I had this experience that I just shared with you. And then it took me completely off the 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 trail. I was I was on a trail. I was on a path. I was, and I got lost in the labyrinth. And then mm. I, I had no idea how to come back. I needed help, and I seeked texts, and I looked for texts like writers, women writers, artists writers who were particularly touching on the subject of motherhood. I found a book called Mother Reader that also was very helpful. Um, it was edited by Maura uh, Davey, um, who's also a writer, and she gathered all these women artists' essays on motherhood into one book. Um, I don't have it here with me, or I would show you. But that, and then Iman Mersal, Motherhood and Its Ghost, spoke to me the most because her experience as a mother was similar to mine, where she became a mother in a foreign land without family, and she had this also this terrible experience with the ways motherhood were treated, were, were or were at least medically treated in the country that she was at, uh, westernized. And, and where was she? What did she? She was give in birth? Canada. She was in Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Um, and she's Egyptian. Oh, wow. And that for me, it, it's like the those things combined became. A, a way, this heavy weight that I had to carry and, and decipher through all these months. And I'm still trying to. I'm not done. Like I, My daughter is a year and a half now. I'm not in the depth of, the, of that, those blues as I was mm-hmm. when, she, you know, when she was younger, but I'm still trying to learn the language to figure it out how to come out of it. Dama, you, you also did a, a performance art. Yeah, I did, and yeah. Will you tell us about that? That I was so struck by that. I was. That was that was a huge part of the healing for me too. Tell I was, us about I was, that. I was invited to perform. I am a performance artist. My practice is mostly devoted to text and performance, and then I create paintings, multidisciplinary works that can be sculptural, installations, object, photography, collage, books that come out of performances. But I begin with a performance normally. It's it's the ritual that takes place that guides the body of work, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. As a ritual artist, that's 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 what, that's what yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'm sitting I wanna say to the listeners that I'm sitting in Dama's studio right now and I'm just surrounded just by exquisite pieces. You know, just lovely, enormous pieces that are, are literally just sumptuous that just sort of take you right into the imagery and they're so at the same time they're so feminine and so embracing you know you see that womb intelligence so tell us a little bit about that performance that you did so the performance is called memory house and i, I have been doing memory house for now seven years it's mm-hmm. a it's a series each memory house i call them chapters is a different piece that um, brings 
the previous chapter into play, but plays off of that in the present time. I, I usually give space of at least six months between each memory house, if not a year. Sometimes it has been, I have had 10 of them so far, but sometimes I've performed three in a year oh. also. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. The length of time between them is not consistent, um, but it's when I find a place to do it. Um, and this place that you found to do it was a parking lot. Tell us about place, that. <laughs> in this place, I was invited to be a part of this group performance for two hours called Midnight Watchtower. Watch uh, Maya was six months old, and I I hadn't performed since she, I, I performed when I was pregnant um, during my solo during a solo show, and then I, I I hadn't performed since birth, and I felt like I had to I had to do a ritual. Mm -hmm. I had to do it. It was like the opportunity came and I, I took it immediately and I had no idea what I was going to do. I just said yes. Of course. But I knew yeah. it was going to mm -hmm. have to come out mm -hmm. of this experience I was mm -hmm. having. And I knew it had to be Memory House because Memory House is, 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 is for me, is a performance of my body memory. Mm. What my body can remember as far, as, as far back as a few generations ago, I performed. Mm. And I'm consumed by uh, an otherworldly experience. And I had to take myself there in order to understand where I was. I almost have to go to the unconscious to understand my consciousness. And that, that to of me, course, yeah. in Memory House, it was the opportunity for me to go there. Mm. And when they told me where the location was, I was... I was thrilled. It was a parking lot next to a cement factory and in downtown Los Angeles. And I, it couldn't be any more brutal than that. And I felt like that's how, where I was. I was in a parking lot next to a cement factory in my labyrinth. Oh my God. And I felt so. like that was the ideal location for me to experience this feeling of giving birth in this country, in a parking lot next to a cement factory. that experience for you exhilarating oh. I left I has I, I so for the first hour of the performance I was inside I built a, a metal house a tiny house where only one person could fit which was me my body was in the house and the house was surrounded by muslin fabric so it was like the sheer nude textile around me that was like was womb like, so I was inside this mm, home that was the like placenta. I built a womb for myself, and then and they but I could see people and I could see the audience and I could see other performers around me. There were five other performers throughout the night in the whole parking lot, mm. and I could watch them in, through this sheer fabric womb. So it was almost like I was this about to be this birth rebirth experience, about to relive, and I'm. And society is going by me and conversations are happening around me. So there's a sound. I had a radio on. I, For this performance, I, I recorded a piece of sound. And when my piece was activated, I was activated. What we call activation is when I'm on the spotlight, right? Other artists were doing their thing. And I was quietly in the womb for an hour. And then after an hour of being quietly in the womb, I was activated. And the activation started when my music went on into the speakers of the hall, and it was loud into the parking lot. And the, the sound of this recording 
was my child's crying at first. I heard it, yeah. And I, I played the crying because I, I needed to re-experience her birth in this piece. Yeah. And when a, a baby is born, their sign of life in first breath is when they cry because that's when they, you, you know they're alive. And then it proceeded from the crying to a tape recording of her grandfather talking about his fear of water and of dying underwater because of a childhood experience he had where he almost drowned. And he recorded this on a tape and he had just passed. So I brought him into the conversation. Mm. And then I had sounds that Maya and I, I was recording with my phone at the time, just sitting, feeding, you know, you're feeding your child every two hours when they're first born. You're with them like an organ attached to your body, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just feeding. And as it was feeding, I was recording our sounds together. So I also these sounds were composed into the piece mm, throughout. Yeah. And in the background of my feedings, I had this clock that was ticking the whole time. I recorded the clock ticking. So I recreated this womb experience of what it was like to be in this house. But outside of it, in the parking lot, I felt like this blasting sound was, was the opposite of the experience I had when I heard them for the first time. I was, I was reclaiming all of these experiences into my, back into my body to release it again on my own terms. Well done. You know what, I, I wanna say that I'm, I'm, so, I, I'm really so struck by the fact that it, it was your grandfather and the fact, the, the fear of, of the water and the fact that he was dying because when we give birth, that's a portal, right? And, and, and between the, the living and the dead opens because a woman faces death. It's a rite of passage where death is a reality. We, we can die. And the fact that you, you invoke your grandfather's dying here is just so appropriate because we are facing that death. And the, the water in and of itself is a symbol for the unconscious as well as for the mythic underworld. I've been in the process of trying to figure it out, what I'm doing here even in some ways. Well, I mean, certainly in this context, let's say you're giving voice. Giving voice. Be because, and, and, and testimony, because in the U.S., what we tend to do is become, uh, we, we've normalized abuse. Mm -hmm. we, we think that that's how you're treated when you go to birth, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just a big joke, and it's, we've normalized that level. And I, I talked to a few people and a few mothers, and I, yeah, I didn't get the urgency that I was feeling. I didn't get the urgency from um, American, in particular, American cultures, that what I felt in that room, in that birthing room, was brutal. No, because it's been normalized. You even mentioned that in Los Angeles, which you noticed the the um, total lack of respect for mothers. Total lack of respect for children, two babies. And children, babies. <laughs> that it's down to something as simple in Los Angeles as not having high chairs in yeah. restaurants. Yeah, it's you a know. hostility that you bring in a child and also you don't even have a place to put them. 
And we have to ask ourselves, I mean, you know, in a, in a, in a city like Los Angeles, what does that mean? You know, I mean, has La La Land gotten that far removed from reality? Maybe it always has been. But I think that really one of the reasons that you're here is to give voice to that because women need to know that this isn't, yeah. this isn't normal. This no, isn't, you yeah. know. Here I noticed the situation when I started to socialize with my child, I, there were there are children designated places. But when it comes to places like I like to go as a mother, the children aren't welcome, such as museums, galleries, art openings. Um, I, I'm going to go to the world of art world because it's my world and it's what I love seeing and seeking out. And children are not welcomed. Babies are not welcomed. You know, one or two people might cherish that and say hi and do this, but there's no... I felt so like an alien walking in and treated differently and treated like, what are you doing here with a baby? As if uh, none of us had been babies before. As it's if, amazing. As if, yes. But we, we do normalize it. And that's what I think. I think that, you know, for instance, having Cornelia Tayon, who lives in Germany, when the mother goes to postpartum depression, she's not separated from her baby. And, no. and, and, and in my research, I found that that's true even in countries like India, you know, or, or China or Japan. They're not separated from the babies, but we've normalized that here. Yeah. So we've come to normalize abuse yes. because we're unconscious of it. Yes. And I think that that serves, uh, let's say, the corporate fantasy here. Absolutely, patriarchal yeah. corporate mm-hmm. fantasy, because they're, they're hand in hand. Absolutely. So one does not survive without the other. And but I, even to the point where when I got pregnant, some people in the, the, the art world said I wasn't, you know, I, I had to, I'm gonna, I was going to pause as an artist. How do you feel about that? And I never stopped making. It's a different kind of making, but I never stopped making. And that... That, to me, was such a patriarchal statement of what they understood as carrying a human being and carrying it to life. Um, it was very strange. The, the, both and, and well put. Yeah. That's key. That's key what you're bringing. So what, what, what are you doing here? Well, sharing. Sharing that level of reality. Because we need to hear it. Because every mother experiences what you're talking about. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you see, like, first-wave feminism. So many artists mm-hmm. didn't have children because their idea of having a child and career did not compete. Yeah. You needed to choose one or the other. Absolutely. Um, why are we brought to that? Why do we have to choose one or the other? Yeah, it's not something that men have to choose. The men, doesn't, they don't. Mm-hmm. They, they're never even questioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It doesn't affect their career no. at all. No. At all. Let me ask you something before we before we wrap up here. Is there something else that, I mean, that you'd like to share with us from your book, or from your experience with Anais Nin here as the ghost in your house? And and then after that, I'd like I'd like your words of wisdom, your words of advice for other mothers. But first, is there something you want to share from your book? Yeah, I think well, the book is called Second Birth, and. Actually, Jung used that term, second birth. It's the birth of consciousness. Oh, here, here. And and I, when I was putting together this this archive of Nin's work and my work together in co- in correspondence, because I truly felt and still feel that I'm in correspondence with her, 
And the mystics use the word correspondence as a way to communicate with the other world, uh, to access different realms of information. Jung might, might, might have called that active imagination. Active uh, imagination. Absolutely. absolutely. Where we allow... Yeah. Where we allow the other to speak yes. you know what is what when let's say allow, dwells in the yes. dwells in the unconscious when we allow that that the psyche to speak yes and to me through the texts of men our, the the writing became fluid as in what i was reading those were answers to some of my questions and vice versa and i felt that some of that text needed to be in the book so i i, I have her work in it and i have my work Back and forth. And it's absolutely it beautiful. For those of you that haven't seen, Second Birth by Amanda Maciel Antunes is for sale at the Philosophical Research Society. And it's just an exquisite book to hold in your hand, to look through the images, because um, uh, Dama is also a photographer, and she also uses old typewriters. I know that she, I think she has her grandfather's old typewriter here in her studio, which is just absolutely wonderful to see. But it's full of images and, and, and from old diaries, both hers and Anais Nin's. And the beautiful, you know, things that Dama has created with her art and with her uh, camera and uh, the old uh, typewriters. So, anything you want to read in particular? I... It's the last image in the book, artwork. It's, um, it's a diptych I found on my walk around the house when I was pregnant, again, and like walking in conversation with Nin and what I was feeling. Um, I found a card, a two of diamonds, on the, on the sidewalk. And I picked it up and I brought it home with me because I, I tend to have a relationship with found objects that, are, that become archetypes in my life and come back in various ways. I love it. And the two of diamonds is an archetype in my life. It's a symbolic meaning. So I wrote this on my diary when I came home with the deck with the card. I found this two of diamonds card on my walk up the mountain by my house on my birthday. Two represents union, the father, the mother principle. This card symbolizes the gift of intuition. And if used, we make no mistakes in life. They have a high power of healing, seeks a way to communicate and cooperate with people. And like diamonds, they know what things and people are worth. And they choose their companions and partners through their understanding of values. Oh, exquisite. Oh yeah, through their understanding of values. I think that's it. I think that's something that you bring to the fore, isn't it? That understanding of values. What does it mean to be a pregnant mother? What does it mean to hold a baby in a museum or a restaurant that doesn't have a, a high chair? To me, when I look at the, the Two of Diamonds card, it's also four sides, isn't it? And four, yeah. it's the symbol of, of wholeness in, in Jungian depth psychology, right? It's, it, it brings together that uh, creative and dynamic flow of three to create the symbol of wholeness, which for Jung, he saw that as um, personal God image, which you know, basically is, is, is our wholeness. It, it's far from the idea of perfection, which we find in a more Judeo-Christian understanding. You know, we're looking for that perfection, which of course we'll never find, but 
it serves it, it serves a uh, patriarchal um, purpose, doesn't it? So that we're always feeling less than. Whereas the idea of wholeness, you know, moving through that entire individuation journey where we have to face the the shadow, give expression, creative expression to the shadow and the you know, our anima and animus figures, which are, we first find in our, in our mother and father. And, and the, the entire process that we go through in, in the individuation journey leads us to that wholeness, that, that um, image, that personal image of God that we find, that we read about, right, in the yeah. Bible, you know. But it's, it's wholeness. It's not perfection. Yeah, it's Anyway, this has been absolutely lovely, Dama. I, I've been, I'm thrilled to be here in your studio with you and to, to feel the presence not only of your ancestors and grandfather and typewriters and art, but Anais Nin, you know, who in and of herself was such a revolutionary character. Yes. You know, she, she lived her own myth in a way that was beyond the, any norms, any norms. She, she just broke every one of them. And... You know, cheers to her and, and cheers to you for the work that you're doing, your artwork, for, you know, the, the courage that it takes to do what you do in parking lots next to cement factories and, you know, bring that truth to, to the fore. We need that. And that helps to imagine a new world into being. So I thank you for being on the Blue Medicine Journal, a union podcast, to share with me and all of the listeners that your experience. Well, thank you for having me and providing space for women to share their stories because that's so important right now thank you i'm thrilled it's an honor really